Greetings, everyone. This is Eric Stewart from the Fishing Fanatics podcast, and today I'm joined with elite series angler, Maddie Wong. How you doing, Maddie? I'm doing good, man. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Good to have you on here and definitely squeeze in a little bit of time in between practice, too, when you're going out to these different lakes. And Maddie, I just want to start with your story about how you got the bass fishing. So I think it might be an interesting one, you being from Hawaii. So you just go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, for you guys that don't know, um, I'm born and raised on the island of Oahu. I'm from the, the city of Honolulu. Um, and surprisingly enough, we have bass out there. And uh, we have bass on two of the islands, on Oahu and Kauai. And uh, there's Lake Wilson, which is the, the lake that I grew up fishing. It's a, uh, it's a dammed up river. Um, and we have a bunch of series of streams and stuff on the island. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, you know, you, you would think that it's clear water because you think of Hawaii, but it's actually kind of, it's kind of stained. It's maybe like two foot of is, and there's a lot of laydowns. You got largemouth bass, you got peacock bass. And, uh, in the streams we have smallmouth bass. And so that's kind of how. I got introduced to it and, uh, there was a couple different places that we would go as, uh, when we were kids and my dad would, my, my parents would, uh, take us to this really cool botanical gardens. And, um, uh, there's this place on the East side called Ho'omalohia. It's kind of a tongue twister, but it's a beautiful botanical garden. And there's this, uh, this kind of this overflow for this dam. Um, and they would have these like fishing days on like this designated stretch and there was giant smallmouth in there and uh no one really would tap into it um and they would only take kids fishing on on that one stretch and so everyone would have bamboo poles and i had like a bait caster from fishing in the lake and i remember we would fit we would go camping there and i brought my 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 fishing gear one time and i was i must have been like eight or nine at this point and like by the time I was six, I already knew how to throw a bait caster. And so I remember I walked down my first cast, I threw a black spinnerbait out there. I started rolling it back and just get just destroyed by like a three pound uh, smallmouth. And, um, it was, it was like, I unlocked this hidden level in a video game where now I have this secret little honey hole and my brother and I, we would just go there for hours and just catch just tens and tens and tens of just loads of smallmouth bass. And when I was 13 or 14, I caught, so I had it to myself for a few years and it was pretty special. And that really kind of helped dial me in with like learning how to make certain decisions from, from the bank and whatnot. And, um, I caught a four and a quarter smallmouth. And at the time the record was four and a half. And so I like just almost broke the record for Hawaii. And then and so that was kind of a fun feat, um, just getting close, but you know, that's kind of what kicked me off in, in, in bass fishing. And then it wasn't until I moved to California in 20, 2013, uh, where I was really able to focus in on other types of skills, learning how to fish the grass, learning how to, you know, fish highland clear reservoirs and a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, Maddie, I, I wouldn't even think like, I'd never even thought that we would even take this conversation to smallmouth because I didn't even know that there was smallmouth in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the streams. And it's interesting because, so I just spent the past couple of weeks up north and it's funny to see. And now that I'm grateful that I've been able to fish kind of all over the country. 
and see different uh, builds of smallmouth. And uh, I I know that there's a couple different like subspecies of smallmouth, um, but it's interesting to see on the way that they fold, like the way that they feed, um, depending on the kind of water that they're in, that the different body shapes and then also mouth sizes that they that they kind of take on. Like the smallmouth out in Havasu are different from the ones that are, you know, like maybe like Lake Pyramid um, in California. And they look completely different from the ones that we have in Hawaii. And the, the ones that we have in Hawaii are really, they're kind of narrow. They're not super tall and they're just, they're really long. Um, and they're pretty skinny because they don't get to, I mean, certain times you'll get some big fat ones, but they're not, uh, they're not like ones that you get up North, like on the Great Lakes, like, uh, you know, St. Clair or yeah, so they don't have like broad shoulders down there in Hawaii. Just like <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, because I mean, it's kind of neat. Like uh, whenever I go home, I always go um, stream fishing, and imagine walking through a rainforest, and uh, at at places the the stream isn't even wider than six feet, and you can you know pitch a little tiny little like you know like a dark sleeper or a little little popper or something like that, and just like two pound smallmouth just comes out and just destroys your bait and it's you're fighting it through and like six pound test down up and down a tiny stream yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's different you know yeah that's that's definitely different and what what's the best culture like the best fishing culture in hawaii like because i know there's probably a lot of saltwater fishermen out there right it's kind of the cool yeah it's different for sure um I mean, growing up, there was a, a, a core group of us. You know, there was uh, there wasn't the Hawaii Freshwater Fishing Association that they have now. Um, there was a few guys that were really diehard, and those are the same guys you would see out on the lake all the time. And the the guy that used to cut my hair when I was a kid, um, this this guy named Lance, uh, he uh, Uncle Lance, I would call him. Uncle Lance would he would take my dad fishing, and then he would take me fishing. And then my dad got a little boat, uh, like a little, uh, like 10 foot aluminum John boat. And so it was a really tight knit community. So I can always like call him out, well, oh, Colas, what's going on? You know, he's like, oh, the, you know, their bed, you know, the toques are on bed right now. And, and so we kind of knew what to do in, in certain areas and whatnot, but, um, pretty interesting, you know, cause when two canaries spawn, uh, they're different than large mouth and small mouth. Uh, where the the female actually guards the nest and the male is this the bigger one that sits outside and will have like five or six females on a stretch and uh so it's it's kind of it's it's neat because it taught me a lot about bed fishing in, in general you know learning certain certain uh you know the way how to approach a bed and then also how to you know coax a fish into eating and finding that little sweet spot absolutely well shout out to uh uncle lance sure. yeah He's like super proud of you. Is he still around or? He is. Yeah. My uncle Lance is still around. He's, uh, he, he'll, he'll send me texts from time to time. Like, Hey, Raul, we're so proud of you. You know? And that, that means a lot because it's, there's only like, literally there's, there's probably less than like 50 hardcore guys and in, in, in the whole state. And, and that's including like Kauai and Oahu. And I'm sure there's probably more that I don't know, but there's, it's, it's a small community, you know, like all my other friends that I, that I grew up saltwater fishing with, cause I did a good fair amount of, um, saltwater fishing and, and all those guys that are like, wait, wait, Lake Wilson. They think Lake Wilson is this like polluted place kind of in the ghetto. And 
And I'm like, dude, let's go. It's fun. Let's go. You know, I take them out and I, t I show them, you know, like, oh, watch this cast over here. And da -da -da, there should be one there. And guys that have never caught a bass before, I'll take them out, kind of guide them and put them on some stuff. And they're like, wow, I never knew how much skill goes into casting or in the, in the cadence or whatnot. And uh, it kind of opens their mind because it really, it, it, uh, it's almost like cross training for, for, for ocean fishing because you know, any type of predatory fish, they'll set up on certain things kind of similar, but you have current and, and tide to relate, but, uh, they're all ambush predators. So it's, uh, and it also helps, you know, with your casting accuracy when you get out in the ocean too. So it's kind of cool, kind of different. So let's bring it to, well, first, let me ask you this question. How did you get into tournament fishing? Was that when you moved to California? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was, they were doing club events in Hawaii, but it wasn't really, like I was too focused in on like uh, playing music and going to college and um, you know all that. Like I was nightlife was a thing, you know, in my twenties. So I was just like really, I was a little distracted from the lake. Uh, and then when I moved to California in 2013, I I didn't have my only, I guess, getaway from working in Los Angeles and Hollywood was to go surfing. And then when I found out or when I realized that like, well, actually California is one of the best bass fisheries in the nation. I, you know, kind of rekindled that love for bass fishing that I kind of put on the back burner for a few years. And I, I never knew what a Senko was. I didn't know what a chatterbait was. You know, there's a certain things like in 20, like 2013, 20, it was like probably 2014. I, someone was like, bro, you got to get a pack of Senkos and EWGs. I'm like, I know what EWG is, but what's a Senko? And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, bro, like I fished in the nineties. Like we didn't have Senkos back then, you know, like, so it, it changed a lot. And, um, that, that kind of got like, I don't know, it's, it opened a can of worms for me because I absolutely fell in love with it, uh, to the point where every waking hour that I wasn't either surfing or on set, I wanted to be, I wanted to be at a pond or at a lake or, or whatever. And, and then when I got my boat in 2016, I, um, you know, I just spent every week that I could up on the Delta and, um, just really try to learn different techniques. Cause I wanted to eventually tournament fish. That was the goal. And, uh, found a, a local club, uh, just literally Googling how to get into tournament bass fishing, like the most kookiest thing ever, you know, like I was just like how to tournament bass fish. And this was, I think in 2017 and I, uh, I found this club, Ventura County Bass Club, and uh, they kind of really kicked it off for me. They were Bass uh, Bass Nation associated, so I had my membership with Bass. I started fishing the Bass Nation Trail. I did it one year as a co, and then the next year I did it as a boater, and then I ended up winning the whole thing, and here I am now. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that was um. So in 2021, the TNT Firework Bass uh, National Championship. You won that, and then you earned your spot on the uh, Elite Series in 2022. So, was that kind of what you were talking about with like winning the whole thing there? Yeah, yeah, that was just absolutely. I it was always like a pipe dream of mine. You know, I I've there was a couple different professions that I I chased trying to be you know in in the upper rank upper echelon, if you will, of like professionals. You know, saxophone being one of them. And I, but I wasn't really, I'm not that great with 
like reading music and whatnot. And it just, it didn't, it, it was more like work to me. It didn't, it felt like school. It didn't like really click. And then, um, you know, acting, I, I, I loved it, but then there was, you'd have different things and parts of the industry after working in it for so long that kind of really turned me off to it. But fishing has always been something that I've always, always drawn to. And I just remember putting in countless hours on the Delta thinking, man, I'm like, I don't know what this is all for, you know, like, what is this? Like, I remember distinctively having that thought because there'd be days where I wouldn't get up, like I, I would blank or I would catch one fish and I'd be like, bro, what am I doing out here? Like spending all this gas money, like coming all the way up to the Delta and like, I enjoyed it, but I, there would be the days where in the summer it would just be such a grind where you're punching hydrilla mats for hours and not getting a bit a bite. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I, you know what? You know, there's got to be a bigger plan somewhere, like why I'm doing all this, but I'm just, it's kind of funny and how it all kind of worked out. Dude, that's the truth. Those days when you're out there and you're getting skunked or it's just hot and you're sweating, it really makes you sit back and think and be like, oh. It, it, it tests you. Do, do I really like fishing? It's like, yeah, all right, I like fishing. And then you get shell oh, like yeah. those couple fish. You're like, all right, yeah, that, that makes sense. This is why I do it. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, um, you've got a lot. You do. You definitely have a lot going on. Checking out your Facebook page, you're surfing, playing the saxophone. Um, I know before you're on the Bassmaster Elites, you're in Hollywood um, as a photographer, taking a bunch of pictures of the A-list celebrities out there. What? Who's the Who's the coolest celebrity you met? I just interested in that uh i mean conan o'brien is is just straight up professional really good guy like he's just as funny i was in new york at, like at four in the morning this is the first time i had met him and i wasn't on set with him and like we're walking through the terminal and we're at jfk like i'm the only guy in there and then there, i just see this six four like dude with a with like this big like yellow hair on i'm like Conan and he like turns around he's like hey how's it going and I'm like what's up man you going to LA he's like yeah and I'm like all right I'll see you there and then like I don't see him for like a, like six months later I book a job and we're working with Conan for uh for I forgot uh what show he was on and uh I think it was the Conan O'Brien show and uh you don't bring up that kind of stuff but it's funny like he was the same dude that I met in the terminal and really cool I mean I've uh, Kevin Hart is yeah i i like my 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 rule was i'd give them three strikes and if they were a jerk three different times on three different occasions then they're probably a jerk but then there's other times where your publicist is being like uh like really you know you had other things go on in your life like they're humans you know they're everyone they're just like you and me and um but everyone puts them on these pedestals but if you're gonna be a jerk to me three different times on three separate occasions that you're done like i'm like yeah like Cardi B, no, she's trash. Yeah, I can't stand that woman. Um, uh, Ariana Grande is a sweetheart. She's like, yeah, so I definitely I like Ariana Grande a lot. Uh, Dua Lipa, she's amazing. I worked with her on my birthday, and she wished me happy birthday twice. That was kind of funny. Like, like someone on so was like, you know, it's his birthday today, right? She's like, oh my god, happy birthday, and I'm like, oh thanks, you know. And then like when she was leaving, she like wished me a birth- happy birthday again. So I'm like, okay, okay, like I, I like to do it, Lipa. Um, right, we like that. that. Yeah, I can I can keep on going, man. I've I've met a lot, worked with a lot of them, but it, at the end of the day, it's not. It wasn't something that I felt that was fulfilling me at the at the core. 
you know, like as, as a waterman, as someone who grew up in the water and around it as, as a, as a surfer, as, as a, as a fisherman, it, I, I'm an outdoorsman, you know, and, and, and I felt the most spiritually filled and like, uh, just as a full human when I was outdoors. And so when I would work on set, yeah, the paid, the payday was awesome. But I always felt like I was compromising a, a, a bit of my soul. And it's and it got to the point where I think it was during COVID where I'm like, man, I, I, I need to start looking for different careers because this is it was it was a super draining. I was I I had to take a COVID test every week, multiple times a week. You know, I I I had I, there was there was times where like a celebrity would walk like uh we shot uh Jennifer Jennifer Lopez for coach. And she was such a nightmare to deal with. And like everyone got COVID tested and then she, she didn't like get COVID tested and then ha- didn't have to wear a mask and everything. But we all had to, I'm like, like what? Like, what is this double standard? Like if, if she's going to get the flu, I mean COVID, like then I mean, we're all going to, you know, it's so, I don't know. It's just, it was silly. So I'm just glad that it just made a perfect segue um, into in this in the new career and i really love the fishing industry whether or not i'm going to be fishing on the elites for for however long i end up fishing the elites i want to stay in the fishing industry because it's people that i understand people that understand me and i feel like i've now made a at least a somewhat of an impact on, on on some people and um and i i'd like to think that i'm here to stay now so that's kind of i'll segue the celebrity top Business owners and marketing professionals in the Philly area, Bad Rhino takes the overwhelm out of digital marketing. With tailored digital marketing services, from social media management to SEO and PPC advertising, our expert team navigates the complexities of the digital ad space for your business. Let Bad Rhino lead you to success. Visit badrhinoinc.com and let's take your business to new heights. Bad Rhino, we do digital marketing so you don't have to. I love it. And, you know, third place at the Sabine definitely helps. And you got a few other tournaments coming up here too. But one of the questions that was kind of like from our first conversation until now, what's it like traveling for the Elite Series for you? Do you want the, what, which version do you want? <laughs> do you want the unadulterated truth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me the truth. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's brutal. Yeah. It's um, countless and countless, like thousands of miles uh, driven uh, hours behind a truck. Um, sketchy gas stations, you know, uh, fast food, uh, not sleeping in your own bed. You know, I, I, I don't, I no longer have an apartment to, to, to get on the Elite Series. I knew that I had to kind of liquidate everything. I literally sold everything I had except for my personal effects that I sent back home to Hawaii. And then everything else that I could fit in a truck. And I've been living out of that truck now for a year and a half. And so I'm super grateful that I have an incredible following and, and incredible friends that, you know, always reach out and, and offer me places to stay. And it makes this journey right now a lot easier. Um, but it's tough from going from like, had my own apartment, like my own taffel room, everything was dialed in, you know, and like I had my routines in those places and to go to that to, like uh, an inflatable bed, you know, and, and sleeping in like Carl Jacobson's like garage, you know, which I've done. And um, it it's, 
it's taxing. Um, but on the flip side, I mean, that's, that's going to be like the, that's the, the tough part about it, you know, uh, being on the road, being away from friends and family and my girlfriend and, and everyone. And I think that's a part, I just needed to say that first, because it, I think that's the part that, that no one really sees. Everyone sees the, the limelight, everyone sees the camera and, and like all the fun stuff that goes on. And which, which in reality, that's, that's of, of course, that's fun. I enjoy that. And that's super rewarding, but it's not without a lot of sacrifices and a lot of hard work that goes unseen. So that's kind of, that's the part about being on the road. Now, when it goes to fishing new places and checking out new towns, I think that's really cool because as a kid that grew up in the middle of the Pacific, I never thought that I'd be driving through Clayton, New York, going down to Orange, Texas, you know, or up to, you know, up to in Tennessee, you know, Missouri, all over the place, up to uh, Mobridge, South Dakota, which I mean, nothing against Mobridge, South Dakota, but I hope I don't ever have to go back there. So it's like, there's, there's places that I just never would have thought that this, this job is this taking me. I used to travel a lot for photo. And so I'm kind of used to the travel, but to, to drive everywhere, it's, it, it's on a, takes it to a different level. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a job, definitely a job. Um, and I'm, and that's, yeah. that's so real too, because you, you see these guys, right? Yeah. They're at the classic or an open air elite series. And really the only thing people see is them catching fish on video. And then in the weigh-ins when they hold the fish up and these people kind of seem like higher than life and, you know, kind of these bigger figures up there, they're winning a bunch of money and everything. So for you to kind of relate that and like real world struggles where, yeah, I am away from family. Yes. I did had to, you know, get rid of my apartment, stop paying rent there. And I had to kind of leap of faith and go into this whole thing. I think is big on um, just to call out there. Thanks, sir. Yeah. It, it's, I think that's the part that, I, I want I want that to be as real for the kids that and people uh, that want to get into this as a profession um, because I, I meet a lot of people that they're like man like like I I can't wait to join you on tour and I'm like yeah dude like I I want them to join me on tour like I want if that's their goal in life I want nothing but the best for everyone in this world and everything that they want to conquer and and achieve. I'm, I'm their champion. Like I'm their guy. That's going to be like, dude, do it. You want to be, you want to be the best, like the best person that like jumps over obstacles with a scooter, like bro, be that guy, you know, like, and, and do it well and own it, you know, or you want to be the best, like it, 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 anything, man. And so like for, and, and it's funny because for me, I've, I've, I've lived, I've lived my life so far full of passions that I've chased being saxophone, you know, playing professionally for eight years, uh, acting, doing, doing that, being on TV shows and getting arrested on television and getting paid for it. Um, doing like was a valet driver. You know, I, I, I used to make pizzas. Like I've, I've done a lot of different jobs, a lot of different careers. And, and, and so when, when you find something that you're super, super passionate in and you want to go for it, bro, you got to go for it and, and don't let, um, the haters or people like doubt your, your, your passion for something, because I think that's, that's easy to feed into the negativity that we have all of inside of us. We all have that second voice. That's like that, the insecure voice that says, you know, well, what are people going to think? Or like, or 
or what if this is this and this and this those are all what ifs and and until you do you won't ever know what the scale of of greatness you can become so i I always try to tell people you know about go for it and and that's kind of what i'm doing right now and I'm, i'm just i know the opportunity to fish the elites was such a guys fish the opens for 10 years, you know, and never make it. And, and the fact that I, I made it into the Bass Nation and cracked it in my first year, I'm like, I got to go for this now because I don't know in five, 10 years, I'm going to have the same kind of grind to, to want to do this same job. And so that's why I told myself, you know, I, I would never, I would never live myself down if I didn't take the, um, you know, the acceptance into the elites and, and at least give it a shot. And here I am. Yeah. I love it. Um, all right, hang on. I got to ask you this. I was going to ask you another question, but you, you brought up getting arrested on TV and then getting paid for it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I played a criminal on two different shows. I played a surfer stoner bro that steals a dead body on Hawaii five Oh. And so you could actually go ahead and YouTube that Maddie Wong gets arrested. It's pretty funny. So you'll have fun with that. Um, and then this other show called Perception. I think the episode's Kaleidoscope or something. I play an Asian gangster and I like beat some dude up. And then I also get arrested. And um, both are on national television. I think they're both uh, in syndication. So I get residual money um, for it every month. This is like get like a check for like five bucks and like a check for 72 yeah. cents. And like when I get like a a, big, a bigger check, I'm like, ooh, I just you know, I just kind of like forget about it. But it's it's kind of neat um, to look back at that and 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 know that that was a goal that I was trying to do and 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 become a a union actor, and which I was able to achieve. Um, but then once I got there, I saw the lives of the other actors, and I seen what they you know their social circles they ran. I seen what you know kind of the toxicity that a lot of uh, actors kind of deal with. Um, or whether that's not even with like out, uh, like substance abuse, but it's also with like ego. And I think that's something that's super detrimental to a lot of people. Uh, because they, they let their ego get in their way and that's just the worst thing ever. So no, I gotcha. Well, I'm definitely going to check out the video of you getting arrested. <laughs> yeah. How fun was that? Yeah. yeah. You might, you might find some other random stuff too. But don't, don't, don't <laughs> have fun with it. <laughs> So you got the um, the upcoming event on Lake St. Clair. Uh, what are you looking for out there? And, uh, I think it's like end of July. Yeah. Um, well, I spent a week there last, well, two weeks ago. And, um, you know, that's when we first talked. I was driving back down to Detroit, dodging people that are road raging. And um, it was crazy. That's a, that's a wild fishery. Uh, I've never been on a fishery where you can be 15 miles out. It's still 15 foot deep. And, um, I found some stuff. I found some really cool structure. Um, I ran around a lot. I probably, I did close to 300 miles in that week. And I know in two days I did 180 miles. Um, so I graphed a lot. I looked a lot and I found some really cool stuff. And so, uh, I think those fish are going to be more in post-spawn. I think they're going to be more grouped up than they are now. Uh, I know the MLF guys are there now, and they're kind of struggling too. So, And it was right on par with what well, you know, me and my buddy Johnny went up and, 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 and caught. Um, and some guys will struggle. I mean, we blanked for two days trying to figure them out. And once we figured it out, uh, we were able to 
put it in the e ski like 18 pounds or more so hopefully hopefully we can kind of like fine-tune that a little bit more i think the grass bite will probably get better uh as they get more in a post spawn but that's kind of what i'm looking for up there i need i need better finishes to stay on tour in these last three i need to i need to make cuts and um if i don't make the cut then yeah it's gonna be the end of my elite time so i'm gonna just keep going now it's that's real point the um so when you're up there in practice you do a lot of trolling side imaging just graphing and checking out the different like structures underneath the live scope or um totally or yeah. Center. yeah um that was a, a whole different workflow that i had to adopt now being an elite angler is uh really utilizing electronics because before i mean for for those who know my story um and for those of you who don't i i uh i qualify with basically no electronics i i had one six inch Warrant's graph on the bow that was I would use for depth and uh, the depth and, and water temp and then I had a black and white um, and my console which was like a 1995 model Lorance step finder and that I would only use that yeah. for depth and no mapping all my mapping was on my phone um, and that's how I'd, I'd fish the Washita and that's how I fished the Delta that's how I fished all those events and um, I, I, I just fished to reading conditions and fishing, reading the bank and whatnot. And so now practice is a little bit different where now I'll, okay, side scanning certain areas. Now I'll go look at my topo map. All right, what are my prime areas that I think that these fish are going to pull off to after they're done spawning? What are your, what are your, your, your certain zones that are probably going to hold up year round one. And then two, what are going to be the areas that they're going to migrate to where you think that they're going to migrate to. Um, but it's, it's definitely hard because I'm trying to catch up with a learning curve of guys that have been out here doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. And I'm, I'm seeing all these leaks for the first time. So I'm trying to, you know, do as much pre-practice as I can and, and idle around, you know, I just spent a week on St. Lawrence right after, uh, the St. Clair. Um, I found a bunch of good stuff out there too. So at that place is a whole different ball game and the way that those fish relate to certain things are, is completely different. So it's. It's a big learning curve for every single fishery that you go to, whether it's the north, the south, or the east, um, and it's completely different from the west coast. Yeah, you have certain things that apply across the country, um, and uh, you can catch a crop like with the same techniques, but there's certain subtle differences that are big, big players when it comes to professional-level angling that if you don't know how to key in on and don't learn those things, you can be left in the dust. And so I'm just trying to kind of catch up for lost time gotcha now manny i i appreciate all the insights to your story insights of how you got to the elites too all the other stuff you do yeah saxophone surfing and kind of your whole story growing up too that was huge let's uh wrap it up here i always like asking people what their pp largemouth and my pp smallmouth okay um my pp largemouth is a nine tool nine it's a nine two so i, I don't have a double digit yet Unfortunately, I've seen a bunch, um, but I don't I don't have one yet. I've lipped a twelve for a friend off my boat when I was had when I had boat issues on the Delta. I'll never forgive him for that. 
I was I was working on my boat and like he took the trolling motor and we literally just pushed off from the dock and we're still like in the marina and he throws like a a rivet out and he's like burning a rivet back in like like in the middle of the channel a 12 comes and just destroys this rivet and he's like dude and I'm like I'm trying to do something he's like dude and I'm like what and he's like help and then it just comes out and I'm like oh my god dude <laughs> and I I freak out I grab the fish from him and like completely forget my boat's broken and like celebrate with him. Uh, so that was kind of like, that was the biggest fish that I'd lived out of the water. But yeah, no, I, for me personally, nine, two large mouth. Uh, I caught it surprisingly on a crank, uh, on a lake that doesn't is, it was a Northern strain. So it's not a Florida. It wasn't a Florida strain F1. Um, and then my largest small mouth, I just broke again last week and that's a five, pound seven ounce small mouth um and then prior to that was last year's five and a half so i i just increment just just slow subtly bumping up i was like one ounce call on my pb but yeah still waiting on that that double digit yeah you'll get it you'll get it man just fishing down south too especially like They'll, they'll find it. I always, um, I've said this on the podcast a couple of times. I'm from the Philadelphia area, so it's tough out here. I think okay. I, I might have broke my PB last night on a uh, fishing at night, but um, my scale broke. So I'll never know. What? Oh, no. Did you get measurements? Pictures at. No, I didn't get measurements or nothing. I was panicking a little bit too. I was shaking. I was like, oh, this is my PB. And then my scale was just like dead. I'm like, no way. Oh, man. It's okay. They're there. You'll catch another one. Yeah, it sucks. I, I, I caught one. I had one similar, something similar, and I, I had a sheriff boat pull up, and it, they were closing the lake, and this is in California, and I bombed a, a cast with a HUD, and, like, I was, like, I said it on the video. It's actually, it's it went viral on, on TikTok as, like, almost a million views or something like that on TikTok, and I'm, like, winding it, and I swing, catch it, and then get it in the my boat, my net, my buddy nets it. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, is that my 10 pounder? And I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, it's in the, like the eight to like the eight to 10 pound range. It's, they're so big and yeah. it's so hard to gauge because an eight pounder or a high eight could be a 10 in the spawn. And then like, you can catch a 10 that spawned out and weighs eight, you know? And so it was a 25 inch bass, but I was like, I don't know. And then like the cops, like, I'm like, do you got a scale? And he's like, no, dude. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Oh. Released it. But yeah. Yeah. You'll get your PB again, dude. I'll get it. You'll get it. Okay. Cool, buddy. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to give you the floor here real quick. Where can people find you, follow your story, and then follow your career on the elites too, like Instagram, all that good stuff? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, if you guys want to kind of follow along, um, one, subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is Matty Wong Fishing. I do a, a weekly vlog of vlog, vlog of, uh, you know, all the tournaments that I do, all my fun fishing trips, um, some travel vlogs. I try to keep it real and entertaining and also informative on there. Uh, so that would be one way on Instagram, which is Matty underscore Wong. And that's M-A-T-T-Y underscore W-O-N-G. I also do a, um, a, a separate one which was my uh it's kind of my content creation company called capture fish and uh capture fish is all lures 
And also I'll do a live stream on captured fish for all like kind of the diehard bass heads that want to see, you know, what I was using during tournaments and all that. I do full gear breakdowns on there. Uh, and then also for you folks that are on Facebook, go ahead and uh, like and follow the page Maddie Wong Fishing. And uh, yeah, TikTok is the same, Maddie Wong Fishing. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And feel free to send me a message. I always try to get back to everyone. Um, I always appreciate when people reach out, uh, whether if they, they like the story or if there's something that's you know near and dear to them or if, if, uh, if you have any questions. I'm always, always try to be uh, a resource for, for anyone out there. So appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, Matty, I appreciate you jumping on this podcast, doing this with everybody, and I wish you the best of luck in the uh, in the series coming up. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I had a good time. It's always fun to talk story with another fisherman, and uh, hopefully we get out of the water soon. You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel, on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well. 